Welcome, friends. Lost Scarf here, and it's time for us to basically have a podcast with Sunny, a fine arts and communication student, and I think it'd be very interesting to learn from them. Oh, hi. <laughs> so, Sorry, this is this is like one of the first podcasts that like I've been a part of that I wasn't hosting. Oh, <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> So I'm definitely going to ask uh, questions of ignorance. So the first thing has got to be uh, like fine arts. Uh, what is that uh, in this, uh, I guess, in this day and age? Um, so fine arts is a very broad terminology, but I would define the fine arts as essentially arts, but you go to school for it um, or it's arts that are more akin to uh, like things like galleries, museums, that kind of thing, honestly. Or doing like studio work a lot of times, but it's it's fairly broad, if I had to say so. Hmm. Okay. So okay, so like uh I you said museums, so like fine so just like fine arts museums is, is an example. Uh like like the Louvre? Like fine arts would be something like that? Yeah, yeah, that's considered fine arts. Um, fine arts is, like, essentially all, everything that's involved with the fine arts not only is, like, people making art in this day and age, but as well as art history um, and everything behind that, which is, there's a, there's a whole lot behind art history. It's very fascinating. I study history in my free time, so. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I I will totally ask about uh this because I've heard a little bit the like two things uh like the statues when they were all mm -hmm. they used to have penises now they have leaves so that might be oh yes thing to hear. that is that is definitely a thing like the the censorship um and defacement of pieces by museums or by higher organizations is definitely a thing. So I got to remember to ask about that because that's probably very interesting to talk about. Um, so uh, fine arts. So how do you get into like fine arts uh, programs or schools and things like that? Um, if I'm honest, your best bet if you're so I ended up going to a community college and then I transferred to a public university. Um, whatever path you take, you know, it's up to you. And even then, sometimes you don't have to go to school. Like I always want to say this, you don't have to go to school, but school is a great opportunity in order to get resources that you might otherwise not have access to. Um, and if you want to try and get into it, honestly, I'd say talk to the advisors at your school uh, and see if they have art programs available or if there are art schools that they know of that they can point you towards. Um, Although I will say in terms of art schools, be careful when it comes to private art schools because some of them are not accredited. Mm. And mm. a lot of them tend to be, at least in my experience, pretty narrow of what exactly you can do, which is why I went to a public university and I'm double majoring in communication. It doesn't keep me shoehorned in just the arts because honestly, if you're an art student and you also do art as a hobby, if you only do art things, you're going to lose your mind. <laughs> like, I, I'm not joking when I say that. Please have other hobbies other than art. Like, play some video games or something. <laughs> <laughs> that That is, like, I feel like that's good advice in a lot of, I want to say art forms, because the same thing for, uh, 
like comics in both mm-hmm. ways like uh like uh advice i've heard for comedians and also web comic artists they do more joke side things like just experience more life as much as you can and it will give you more angles definitely um it also like frees up your mind we are not always trying to think about what you're making and focusing on those projects um but yeah honestly if you want to get into the fine arts the like the first thing that you can do if you're in college or you're in school ask advisors about it and see what programs are available even if you're not in school a lot of times some schools will offer programs outside of like the regular curriculum especially during summer classes which are very easy to register for and maybe they're like a one or two time thing that you can register for and learn some new things with while working with people who are considered professionals. Even if you're not a, uh, a student regularly, you can look into programs at schools outside of the regular school year a lot of times and be able to register for them. Um, Of course, like in those cases, I think a lot of times you won't be able to get financial aid, but if you look for community colleges, they're actually not that expensive. If you're a state resident, community colleges are pretty good. I hmm. fully vouch for them. I think that they're a great thing to invest your time into just because they are like a quarter of the price of a public university. Oh, yeah. Having... Even... What, what? Oh, or even like a private university. I forgot to mention that because those are even more money. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I graduated from UCSD... Mm. Uh, and then I went back, uh, to community college to do some other things, uh, to, well, I had to do a career change. So I went to community college again. I mean, I went to community college mm-hmm. to do that. And financially it's like, you lose out on some experience cause you're not doing some stuff from college when you do community college, but financially, oh my God, community college is so useful. Oh, it is. It's very useful. Um, technical college as well. Some community colleges do double as a technical college, so that's a great thing to look into. Okay. And so I'll be leaning more towards uh, fine arts and questions, but I do want to ask about uh, what does communications entail? So uh, communication entails essentially that you know how to talk to people, how to communicate with them in various different forms. Uh, Communication can look a lot like public relations. Um, sometimes it's intertwined with marketing as well, but not the same exact thing because marketing is more towards the business side of things. Um, and as well as politically communication is useful if you do want to get into politics. So it's basically the art of being able to talk to people well and get your point across. Hmm. So communications would go well with like poli sci or management kind of thing. Oh, definitely. Um, or even teaching, now, right? Like, definitely. I would say, honestly, communication is a pretty, a pretty useful thing for learning. Like, essentially, learning how to work around socially. Because um, hmm. I'm using communication and fine arts, which is a pretty common combo. Okay. Um, and I am using it more towards uh, thinking about how to communicate. Like, I want to do public relations in that I'm communicating with the public as well as communicating within the fine arts. Uh, Oftentimes there are organizations or galleries or those kinds of things where they need someone who does communication to be able to work with other people outside of that business. 
Um, and given that I am also an artist, I do pretty much like, I don't understand all artists, of course, but like, <laughs> I do understand artists. Um, and I can also understand the public and what, like, essentially their own fascination with the arts is because the arts are severely underfunded in terms of like, let's just say in like public cities and such, uh, they are pretty underfunded and people want to see more of it, but it's more of a convincing of like, well, how do you do that? Yeah. It's... So that's kind of like my, my whole thing of me studying it in school is because I want to be able to promote the arts more yeah. in a public manner. It is, it's weird how under, undervalued, um, art is and yet we are heavily relying on it right now during this virus because everything like writing uh, just show production all that stuff is an art yes and it just, really like, is. We're, we're devouring so much content right now to be entertained like that is all art that is all things that need to be worked on that it's it's just different levels just not everything's just paint on a on a, on a canvas mm -hmm. and so people just don't understand or appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and another good point that I would like to bring up too is like, like I said before, you don't always have to go to school. School isn't for everyone. It's very expensive and very much so taxing on like your physical and mental being. Oop, my computer fell asleep. Don't mind me. <laughs> um, so like the thing is, is that I firmly believe that anyone can make art and any kind of art it just like whether it's good or bad art quote unquote is very much so um what's the word it's a it's like a matter of personal opinion but at hmm. the end of the day like making stuff is cool and it's yeah. fun and it's good for you and it's good for other people so why not make stuff you know <laughs> yeah because there's an interesting uh talk about art when it comes to like if art wasn't important why would cave paintings exist right like they're mm -hmm. busy trying not to die out there back in the day and they still did cave paintings like there's some value to it that, that that's always existed mm -hmm. like uh we're, there's oh shoot i'm gonna forget the name like there's those cave paintings and i think france yes yes uh, that some guys just randomly found in nineteen something, like bef like I think before World War Two or World War One, they found them. Yeah, and it's just so interesting just to find this huge cave of paintings. Like, yeah, these guys were just like trying not to die. They're trying to survive, and they're just they did paintings. And what's so interesting is that a lot of paintings are a handprint, mm -hmm. which is just something that. I think every kid has used their hand to draw at some point. Yeah. So it just feels like it's something that's very, something that's very within us. Yeah. Very, very intuitive to, uh, to people. Definitely. Um, just because we've seen how it's evolved over time and how it's evolved is really quite fascinating. Cause like you said, we have the cave paintings. Um, we also have like ancient artifacts that we found and like other art forms from like the Greek and Roman periods and then onwards. Um, although I will be honest, a lot of the fine arts are pretty Eurocentric mm -hmm. and I personally need to educate myself more on arts in terms of like Asian arts and other countries as well that aren't 
Europe, you know, like the Middle East, Asia, um, U.S. art because the U.S. was founded so late. I'm over here like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's also technically Eurocentric, Western centric. So <laughs> true. Um, but in terms of like the ancient arts uh, in Asian countries, I find that to be fascinating. But a lot of programs don't really focus on that. They focus very much so on the Western side of things, which is like cool. But you know, sometimes I want to see something a little different. <laughs> not just like one little tiny part in the museum where it's like oh yes this corner is for this uh for this chinese vase and then that's (laughs) (laughs) it's an exaggeration but it's an it's an example of what a lot of museums that have like tons of different art often do um is that they tend to be very western centric and then they have like a small part is maybe like dedicated to um asian arts although i know seattle specifically has an asian art museum so i'm like okay we got a whole museum (laughs) yeah because i'm thinking of so i'm you're in one corner i'm the other i'm down in san diego and Mm -hmm. so we have a bunch of art uh, a bunch of museums and there's a big fine arts museum i'm thinking that it's a lot it's a lot of western art and there's Mm -hmm. like there's there's giant western art sections there's a couple uh, more newer art, and then there's like one section for Asian, and then one section for like Latin, and just just mm-hmm. way smaller sections for the other countries. While it's very much a- aggressively Western, just thinking about that, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, um, and just thinking about the history of museums as well, it's it's very well known that uh, people who ran museums oftentimes did take things without permission. They stole things from. Other like other countries and such. This is very much so known, um, or things that were taken as like novelties when uh, trading was like a huge thing. And I want to say like, oh shoot, maybe like seventeen hundreds. If I, if my brain is thinking of like the <laughs> timelines right, I I study history, but I can't remember dates. I just mm. remember very specific things. <laughs> um, but in terms of like, it's interesting to see like. Uh, how westernization has affected a a lot of museums and galleries Um, and also talking about the issue of uh, orientalism which is a huge thing in art history of like essentially it was all like dudes from Europe who were making like just like weird fetish art of like the Middle East or Asian countries like yeah it was like it, it was like this whole power fantasy to them and like this idea of colonialism so that is something that is quite prevalent within uh today's museums not as much so as it was back then but it's definitely something that's rooted in it um and there are some museums who have been that have been creative to try and actively work against this so a museum that's actually on uh like on in seattle sorry (laughs) um (laughs) Is called the Burke Museum, and they try to actively work with uh, the indigenous communities as well as other communities of color in order to actually get permission to show, you know, their culture and their art and keep it preserved, but also be able to give it back to them. Because um, a lot of these pieces have uh, ceremonial uh, ceremonial purposes, hmm. and so they will uh, take back, you know, their artifacts. They will use them for whatever they want to use them for, or 
they, you know, they keep them them, themselves. uh, And it's like a contract based thing with the museum, which is something that I think is very good for other museums to look at in terms of working with other communities and not just taking things because that's a huge issue that we've had. Yeah, because the instantly thinking I was thinking of the British Museum because that's chock mm-hmm. full of just well they took things from everywhere. That's why it's such a big museum. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> or it was like it, it was donations, but those donations came from rich white people who had bought or taken those things. Like, um, it, it's it's very like the whole entire uh, like conversation around museums is very complicated and I personally enjoy museums because I like looking at art I'm in the fine arts but I do need to understand that there are some like bad rooted complications behind a lot of it Hmm. so a question I have I'm curious what you think um why is it for like the layman why is more photorealism more impressive to them than abstract or like they pay more attention to photorealism than they do to abstract art. Mm. So, um, let's see, photorealism versus abstract art. So for me, like this is hard because I personally don't care for abstract art. And (laughs) I, I will say that the reason why is because I, I don't understand it and that's fine. Like, it's okay for me to not understand it. Yeah. And I feel like for a lot of people, that's why they undervalue it. Mm. Um, now, for me, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to tell someone what their art is worth. Like, oh, art is worth something. They made it. Um, and there's something behind it. Like, it doesn't even have to have a, an exact meaning. It can literally just be like, oh, I just wanted to make this. That's cool. Um, but I think a lot of the general public does... Uh, prefer things like photorealism, like paintings and all that, uh, just because it's something that is understandable, like on a surface level, a lot of times. Hmm. Um, Because they'll look at a landscape and be like, ah, yes, that's a landscape. But they look at a a piece that's like paint splatters. um, They'll be like, hmm, I don't really get this. And I mean, that's fine. You don't have to get it. Uh, I don't have to get it because clearly I don't. I don't like everyone always treats it like a crime that I don't care for abstract art. And it's just because like, oh, no, I just don't I don't derive that much interest in looking at it. I'm like, the shapes are cool. The colors are cool. What's going on? I'll I'll look at it for a bit. But I personally don't get anything from it. Uh, very much the same. I've never really been a fan of abstract art. Like there are people who are just. They're all for it. It's uh, it's very important to them, but I just have not been able to understand it, really. Even if one is explained, like, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, uh, I say this as someone who has made abstract art before. I, I don't know if I'd be able to find my pieces, because it was quite a long time ago. Um, but, like, I've tried making abstract art, and even at the end of the day, after I made it, I'm like, oh, yeah, shapes. Shapes are there. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I, I like to make things that have, uh, especially because I'm someone who has gone specifically into communication as well, I want to get some sort of message across. I want whatever meaning I'm putting into it to come across to other people. Um 
or sometimes there is no meaning. And I'm like, yeah, I made this thing because I wanted to. Like this idea popped into my head. I wanted to do it. It sounded cool. And then I did it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's just like, I feel like I'm very contradictory, but it's fine. You know, art's complicated. It's not easy. (laughs) Yeah. What is a person but a bunch of contradictions anyway? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to sip some of my cold coffee. There you go. So, a different question, I guess, is... I, it might answer itself, is just the art of uh, practice, practice, practice. Of... What am I trying to get here? Uh... I guess, okay, burnout. Burnout. Oh, burnout. Let's talk about burnout. Like, um... What, what in your experience has helped you with uh, preventing or, I guess, dealing with if you've experienced burnout? Okay. Um, so I frequently deal with burnout. Uh, and a lot of times it happens outside of my classes because with classes, a lot of times you are very pressured to meet a deadline because you need to get a grade. Hmm. Um, like I have made big projects when, within a week just because like I finally figured out how to do it and then I did it and I burned myself out a bit afterwards. <laughs> um, and I'd have to say like a lot of my burnout occurs actually outside of my art classes when I finally have time to rest. Um, where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to draw something in my free time because I do digital illustration for fun. Um, (laughs) And then I end up not doing it and like I'm busy like looking online, watching YouTube videos or or just like playing games and stuff and just trying to like, I guess, soak things in instead of creating, which a lot of people might think that that's bad, but it's like, you know, you can't, you can't always force yourself to create. Um, and if you're really not feeling it, you're not going to be happy with whatever you make. I will say though, in order to get better at things, you do have to practice. And that's just the hard truth of it is like, you do need to practice something. It's just that like, you don't have to practice all the time. You can take breaks. You can take time for yourself to be able to soak things in and then return back to it. Um, But at the same time, this is coming from the perspective of someone who does this mostly as a hobby. Like I do fine arts in school and like those are my deadlines and like that's my whole portfolio and more professionally based. But then art that I do for fun is much more lax and maybe occasionally I'll take commissions. Um, And even then I rarely do because they they take me forever to to finish them uh, just because I like to take things at little little chunks at a time. Which is something else that's helpful in preventing burnout is like taking things in smaller chunks if you have the time to do so. Um, Or rather giving yourself that time too. Like if you want to do this project by a certain deadline, then schedule certain chunks. You'll be like, okay, I'm going to work on this part and then I'll do this part and I'll do this part. And it could be maybe one or two hours at a time. Or it could be less than that. It could be like 30 minutes, whatever fits your schedule, you know? Okay. All right. But yeah, in terms of like recovering from burnout, all I got to say is like, just, you know, let yourself take some time. And when you're feeling at least a little bit up to it, 
then try to make something. And it doesn't even have to be amazing. It could just be like a sketch, a doodle. You could you could literally just draw a stick man and be done with it and be like, yes, I've done something today. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so with uh, when you make art, uh, what are the stages uh, for you? Um, so for me, it does depend on what kind of art that I'm making, because my fine arts degree specifically does entail, um, it's called IVA or interdisciplinary visual arts. Hmm. Um, so for me, if I'm doing either sculpture work or I'm doing drawing or like somewhere around that realm, uh, a lot of times I start with thumbnails and drafting. So I'm figuring out, like, I'm brainstorming, I'm figuring out kind of what I want to do and pull, pulling more ideas together to make a more cohesive project that I actually want to work towards. Um, and then when I've done drafting, then it's like sketching or prototypes, especially if I'm doing sculpture work, because I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing does actually work. Um and like I've made sculptures out of, let's see, cardboard, out of uh, found objects. It's called assemblage. Hmm. So that's like kind of an experimental stage, a sketching phase where you're more of like putting together the larger picture. Um, and then there's like the refinement period. So like if you're drawing, you're like laying down colors and then you're shading and refining that more. If it's sculpture, then it's me like putting things together and like really making it work and coming up with the actual object or project. Um, I also do, like, I, I like to study photography as well. With photography, I, I know a lot of people are going to hate me for this, but legitimately, I just shoot whatever I want to do, <laughs> and then I just lightly edit it, and then I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> photography is, like, something I let myself be more lax in because... I, I just I just like how it looks. Hmm. I like that I can take photos of things and I, I don't have to draw it. I don't have to really make a thing. I just take the photo. I make it look a little nicer and then it's done and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a much shorter process for me. And there are photographers that take a lot of time into editing as well as composition and everything else, which I have huge respect for. I'm just someone who likes to wing it. With most of my stuff. <laughs> um, like, I, I like to play around with things and figure it out. And then at some point, I'm satisfied with it. <laughs> like, uh, random aside, uh, when I was in college, I took a photography class. Mm -hmm. I had a photography professor who just, like, he was really famous. I had no idea who he was. But <laughs> uh, he, his whole thing was people are like, pictures are true things like no pictures are lies they're exactly what the photographer wants you to wants you to see and exactly. and believe it was like huh wow it's interesting to, to hear it that way mm -hmm. so just going to say that um how was i want to say some okay some technical things as far as hardware goes with mm -hmm. the, like i guess more on the a digital side of, of art like what is a good hardware to get oh i guess as entry level but also just when you're really in it um so in terms of hardware i'll be honest in that you don't have to pay 
like absorbent amounts of money in order to get something that's pretty decent. And I say this as someone who is like, I am like, I'm kind of a cheapskate. Like, I'll admit that straight up. I don't have a lot of money. A lot of artists don't have a lot of money. Yeah. Um. So, like, just know that you don't have to pay a crap ton of money in order to get hardware. Uh, I will actively speak against Adobe because, personally, I think that their subscription model is garbage. I was going to ask and about I don't that. Even like the, I, I don't even like their programs. They're not, they're not even that good. They're always laggy for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing my Adobe hate now. They're always laggy for me. <laughs> I have to pay money every month for them. <laughs> um, like I just, I just don't like their programs. I've been wanting to try um, th- their competitors' programs, which is Affinity. And at this point, I'm like, you mm. know, I might as well just buy them so I can have like a nice photo editor for when I occasionally like to take photos. <laughs> um. But in terms of, like, illustration programs, right, Um, some of those, like, there's free ones that are absolutely great. Like, they work. They do the job just fine. Like, for a good amount of time, I was using Medibang, which is free. Hmm. And I I liked it. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I ended up switching to Clip Studio Paint, which is a very popular program. And the reason why is because it goes on sale frequently for, like, 25 bucks for the base program which I think is good and you don't have to pay the subscription unless you're on an iPad, then I'm sorry, Apple users. Like <laughs> that that's on you. Like I don't have an iPad for a reason. <laughs> I got a surface pro. <laughs> I was going to ask about Instead. that. Um, but yeah, uh, honestly, I've personally liked clip studio paint a lot. It works well. There's even an animation feature if you end up buying the base program and then later you decide you want to upgrade, it's not, it's, it's not as much money as like buying the fancier program art right outright out outright. There we go. That's how <laughs> words work. Um, I know like when I first started, I think I had like a bootleg version of paint tool side that I got from somewhere off the internet. Don't tell the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, but like drawing tablets, right? I know that screen tablets are all the range, right? Yeah. Um, like I mentioned before, I have a I have a Surface Pro, which I like a lot. And honestly, the iPad is also good if you want to do on the go drawing. Like both of those are like kind of similar in price range, depending on what you get. And they both work nicely for drawing digitally if you want to do that. Um, hell, some people even just straight up use their phones, which they are using like their tiny like like five inch screen and that's so impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's what I do. You know what? I'm impressed because <laughs> I can't deal with drawing on my phone. I just I can't do it. It's it's too tiny for me. I don't hmm. I don't like it. I need more space. <laughs> I need so much space that I have like a 19 inch inch Huion tablet Ooh. that I haven't set up ever since I moved back home because. Like, I'm too lazy to take it out of the box. <laughs> it's fine, though. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, but my first tablet was actually a non-screen tablet. It was a, a bamboo Wacom tablet, which I believe they don't they don't make the version that I have anymore, of course, because it's very old. It's like, uh, I want to say I got it when I was like 13. So that's at least nine years oh, ago. Oh, God, that's like, yeah. Well, I'm 22 now. Yeah. So that's, yeah nine years ago 
so it's pretty old and i think yeah they have like a newer version um but yeah you could just start with like just a, a little little non-screen tablet and you can get some for like thirty dollars they are not that expensive which is oh, fantastic um there are lots of different companies as well other than wacom like wacom is considered top of the line however there are more competitors now and if I'm honest, your best bet is honestly just to look at reviews of the tablets to make sure that they're of decent quality or something that you want and then decide from there. But yeah, like I've seen tablets for only $30. They're kind of small, maybe the size of like a small sketchbook or something, but like it's a decent size. It's a little bigger than a phone, which like mm -hmm. I said before, if you're drawing on a phone, props off to you. <laughs> <laughs> you you're stronger. You're stronger than any soldier I know. <laughs> wow. Wow. I will take that. I'm taking that one. Taking it. I'm being controversial. Don't mind me. <laughs> oh dear. Like, um, like, cause the only two names I heard, uh, like 10 years ago to now, or even maybe even further back than that was Wacom and Cintiq. Those were the two names mm. I always heard. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with the first one, but Cintiq is, um, that is a tablet specifically made by Wacom. So Wacom is the company behind them. Oh, it's them. the same thing. Okay. Yeah, Wacom's who I'm talking yeah. about. So they're, okay, they're just the yeah. same people. All right. Okay. I thought there were two companies. I'm going to get hit for that. <laughs> oh, no. It's okay. If, I, I don't know all the companies either. It's fine. Right. <laughs> I, I know, like, I know of Wacom. I know of Huion. There's another one that I honestly can't remember the name of, but apparently they're actually quite good for uh, drawing tablets as well. So, you mm. know, there's lots of different companies now that exist that make drawing tablets. And I'd have to say my personal favorite has been Huion, uh, just because like they've been able to make things that are honestly cheaper than a lot of Wacom stuff. And then I get something bigger. Like I have a 19 inch, on tablet and that cost me at the time since it was newer i think i bought it about two years ago cost me like four hundred dollars wow. like on a black friday sale for 19 um, wow yeah it's huge sometimes Ooh. i just use it as a second monitor and i watch movies on it <laughs> that's the other thing buy yourself a giant screen tablet you can just watch movies on it nice. so be careful because it, it will it will heat up sometimes mm. like it'll get pretty warm um because there's there's no fan in that. Mm. It's just it's just beaming the brightest light it can. And you're like, hmm. Oh dear. Yeah, be careful. Don't don't burn those out. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you would not want dead pixels. No, Ooh. those are. I think I think I've already gotten a couple like in a corner. Maybe. Oh, it, it's also like kind of old, but I've also moved around quite a bit with it, so that's probably my bad. But <laughs> okay. Good, <laughs> that, that's good my job. my that's my own. Uh, my own, not me taking good care of the things I buy. <laughs> it's fine. It, it still works perfectly fine. Um, I use things until they break, honestly. The way to go? Yeah, that's uh, that's how I live my life. And yeah, honestly, unless you want something that's like, I, I will say like uh, tablets are a good thing to get if you want something that you can take places with you and it's portable. Um I like those. I've tried both the iPad and I have a Surface Pro. They're similar in terms of performance, honestly. Okay. It's just, uh, if you want to do other things, I guess, uh, probably the Surface is better? 
I'd say if you want to like a good like general computer that also you'd be able to um I know like a big thing I don't care for with Apple is that you can't expand the memory on those and that oh. is like a huge pet peeve of mine is not being able to expand memory if I need to. Yeah. Um but also like I have like work I have like Microsoft programs on it so uh when classes are in person again <laughs> I don't know when, but when they are in person <laughs> again, I can use it for classes. There you go. Which is what I did before all this happened. Because I bought it, I think I bought it like around Christmas time for myself. Are there ever like deals yeah, for art it. students with uh, deals tablets? For or no? Or like funding or anything? Or no? Um. So in terms of like, so art student deals specifically... Um, I know a lot of schools will have some sort of student store and they'll be like, oh, you could buy like a MacBook from us for cheaper. It's not really cheaper. Mm -hmm. It's not cheaper. You're honestly, <laughs> um, you're honestly better off trying to like find deals yourself that aren't student deals. Cause a lot of times the student deals are only like 10% off. And frankly speaking, that's not enough of a deal. I don't have money and like, I don't want to eat ramen all the time. So <laughs> um, at that point I would have to say like, look out for like larger sales done by companies. Like, like look at sales at like Best Buy or other tech companies. Sometimes even the companies themselves that make the products will have sales on their websites. Um, like, let's just say they'll be like, Oh, everything's like 30% off or something. Like that's a much better deal getting 10% off from your school. Yeah. Um, or even buying things secondhand. If something is in decent condition and somebody's selling it just because maybe they've upgraded. A lot of artists may frequently upgrade their equipment um, just because maybe they need something that's better for them because they've progressed more in terms of what they're doing with it. Um, or they just don't want the old thing anymore. You know, whatever reason, buying secondhand is also a good alternative if it's in decent condition because you can get pretty good deals on that. And like I said before, sales by companies um, are pretty good. I think some schools might have some sort of rental program or some of them do offer things like labs and such to their students for free um, if they're within the major. That was something that my community college as well as my university does. If you're within the fine arts major, you're allowed to use um, they're like labs for making stuff that have like tons of programs on them, or they might have, uh, what's it called? Drawing tablets available for you. Um, or like, I know at my university, we actually have like straight up a recording studio that you can use. Oh. <laughs> uh, so it's just like stuff like that. Um, look at the resources that your school has. And if the resources are limited, uh, look at sales by companies or secondhand, even because secondhand sometimes you can get even cheaper. Ah, nice. So, so this might—I don't know—this is a dumb question or a good question. Uh, the importance of is important to have like a lot of different brushes and tools, or is just knowing like maybe one or two tools uh, and brushes really well. Like, um, so. For me personally, are we, are we talking about like digital art or just art in general? Uh, I assume art in general you really care about. Okay, uh, I guess both. Because like art in general, there's like special, there's like a dozen brushes 
whenever I see an mm-hmm. art kit. And I'm pretty sure those are like for specific things because it's kind of important for specific like lines and and textures when you're doing actual physical painting. Yeah. But like uh when it comes to digital, you can mess with the size, you can mess with the pressure and all that stuff. So I'm just curious uh when it comes to more on the digital side of things, is it more important just be really good with maybe one or two or just have this huge kit of brushes? I mean that might be a dumb question. Honestly, you can like no, it's not a dumb question. Okay. If it was a dumb question, I'd tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'm a little mean. Um, so generally speaking, like honestly, I'll be honest and say that I don't go much outside of the realm of like the pre-made brushes and programs because I'm lazy. Like I, I just want to use like maybe a few brushes. I use like one for lining and then I use one or two for blending things for shading. Okay. Um, but it's fun to have a lot of them available. So if you want to experiment and like play around, you can, um, like, honestly, I don't think that you really need to be an expert in one or two. Like that's not really important. I think it's more of like, you know, have some fun with it. If you feel like having fun with it or just like use what you're used to, um, Sometimes I do experiment, but a lot of times I'm over here like, ah, yes, the watercolor blender, exactly what I need. (laughs) Hmm. Um, And in terms of like physical, like physical painting or physical materials, I will admit, I don't know how to do oil painting um, specifically because it's so expensive. I've never wanted to learn. I had a friend who took an oil painting class they spent $500 on supplies and I saw that and I was like, Hmm, you know, $500 on supplies that like doesn't last me for at least a few years. I don't think I want that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause, cause they used it within like one quarter. Of course they were actively doing projects, but it's one of those things of, um, that was like, I I haven't learned that kind of thing because it is very expensive and, I'm not rich, like point blank. So I would prefer to stay with like digital painting. <laughs> yeah. I have learned watercolor though, which watercolor can get expensive, but it's also affordable a lot of times and much more easily replenished. I will admit like acrylic painting and watercolor painting um, are not as expensive as oil painting, which now I've gotten into the subject of different kinds of painting instead of talking about the brushes. Like, <laughs> we just don't I actually it. have a jar of brushes on my desk. All I know is that some of them are bigger than others. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, yes, this will work for the thing I want to do. <laughs> and then, mm. Like, I, it's just me just, uh, I, if I'm honest, it's just me bullshitting everything. I don't, I don't think about like the hardcore technicalities, which maybe some fine art students do. But for me, I'm just kind of like, hmm, yes, let me pick up this thing and use it with my fist. <laughs> <laughs> if it works, it works. Exactly. That's that's how I see it anyway. I'm I'm definitely someone who's a lot more uh, loose and experimental than like rigid and uh, I guess like very academic about it because hmm. I've never seen myself as someone who's like super academic. Like I am ap- academic, but not like snooty academic, which... No shade, but also all the shade. <laughs> Y'all need to have some fun. 
So, uh, being in school, uh, does it, do you feel like uh, formal education on certain subjects are important, or is experiment really important? Like, should someone understand color theory, or should they just try to figure it out on their own, I guess, kind of thing? Same thing with, like, lighting. Mm-hmm. Light study, I mean, like that. Okay, so this actually is something that, honestly, I would have to say depends on the person and mm. depends on their methods of learning. Um, so let's just say, like, I have actually studied color theory. Um, and even to this day, I mostly wing it. I just kind of, like, put things together that I think look good. Um, but I do have a background in that I formally studied it. So I kind of understand why they look good together. But at the same time, I'm like, hmm, yes, these colors look good. <laughs> um, I, I think, honestly, like, formal education isn't everything. However, it can be helpful for some people. And some people just, like, don't like formal education. They don't like being told what to do. And that's perfectly fine. Like, I've met people within the fine arts where they found that they don't like being told what to do when it comes to art. In formal education, a lot of times it's kind of rigid in that they want you to follow a certain path in order to learn new skills, um, which you can learn those skills on your own. It's just you're not being guided by someone who has kind of like gone through all of it and also like you're paying them. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's rather like, are you someone who likes to be taught with guidance or are you someone that likes to be taught um, in terms of learning on your own? It's like, that's basically how I see it of like having a formal education or not, because I've seen tons of artists that don't have a formal education that are like, absolutely amazing like that's mm. great being self-taught is great you didn't have to pay for art school i'm paying for art school because honestly i want to use the studios <laughs> <laughs> like i, I want to have access to resources and to people i otherwise wouldn't have access to mm. um which is how i treat formal training basically it's it's less of like me i guess like i mean i am actively learning things i've learned things that i would have otherwise never known right um, and experimenting in ways that uh, otherwise would have made me uncomfortable. For example, I've actually, uh, last quarter during the spring, I took a performance art class, and it's something that's kind of like dancing, but not. It's like it was called uh, Movement and Belonging, and that was very much so one of those classes of, hmm, this is kind of weird, very abstract, I don't know how to feel about it and I'm never going to share the pieces I made for it, <laughs> but it's something that I did and I learned things from it. <laughs> so that's another thing is that sometimes classes can be helpful in uh, exploring things that otherwise are like pretty far out of your comfort zone and you wouldn't do on your own. Like, huh. I don't know how you would do a performance art on your own. Like, do you just, hmm. you just do a thing? Oh, no. You just do a thing. Performance art is one of those things where it's like your body is the art and whatever you're doing is the art. And it's very much so one of the newer versions of art where like I find it fascinating, but also I'm scared. Like I and the fact that I've like done done performance art is like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Like <laughs> I I feel like uh, what? 
Oh, but I was just going to say, as I said before, like, I wouldn't share it because I'm personally not comfortable with it. Like, it was just hard for me to get through the class. <laughs> I I do feel like there is uh, some art that just really turns off the layman or just they don't understand why or... Mm-hmm. um, Let's see here. Uh, there's just some art that's like, what the hell even... Or just, they don't get it. Uh, there's the art where it was a woman, she just sits at a table and you stare her into the eye, you stare into her eyes for like a minute straight, and that's the piece. Oh, yeah, so that's, um, she's uh, a very Uda? famous performance Uda. artist. Yeah. Uh, Marina Brockovich. There you go, yeah. If I'm saying yeah. her name right. Uh, yeah, she's a super famous performance artist. And there are other performance artists, too, who have made some pretty fascinating things. Um, but performance art definitely like is involved with your own body in a way that like like dance you are actively like you choreograph you're putting on a performance that kind of thing like it's all predetermined um performance art a lot of times is predetermined but whatever is happening is happening in that moment um i don't know performance art is very hard for even me to explain mm-hmm. uh but I do find it fascinating enough to be able to look into it more because I'm curious, like essentially as to the why of it and like the form of communication that goes on with performance art that isn't like a lot of art forms that we've seen before. Um, But yeah, that's very much so something like if people think of fine arts, a lot of times they'll think of like, weird performance art which i don't blame them because (laughs) damn it is weird and oh we're giving these people money (laughs) (laughs) because there's uh like one of the big turnoffs has got to be the banana that was taped to a wall oh the banana on the wall i have a whole (laughs) i have a whole issue with the banana on the wall and the reason why is because um it's kind of like wrapped up in uh the ideologies a lot of fine arts is wrapped up in like uh in like upper class or like with rich people right yeah um and given what i've said before i'm not rich i don't really want to be rich (laughs) um if i was rich i would be redistributing my wealth because goddamn (laughs) yeah Um, but of course we all know that growing wealth is something that's very very hard in this day and age Mm. and that's why things are happening, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah. art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the banana on the wall is like, I mean, it's technically art, yes, but like, as far as I know, the dude who actually made it is kind of an a-hole, and like, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just my own personal vendetta at that point. I'm over here like, okay, it's one thing to take the piss out of everyone with art, because Dadaism specifically, which is like another period of like really weird art, um, was, like, also to go against strict regimens and kind of, like, point out how ridiculous the fine arts were. That's how it was taking the piss out of the arts, right? Or taking the piss out of everyone. But yeah. this was, like, the opposite of that. So, like, the, he called it fine art, but then he's taking the piss out of everyone, but then he's taking their money. Yeah. Um, Like, for example, the, the urinal. Everyone knows about the urinal, oh, right? Yeah, I was thinking of it right uh, now. <laughs> Yeah, um, it was by, uh, I can't remember who it was by, but this artist was uh, someone who, who did Dadaism. And essentially with that, um, 
he was like, so I think at the time the gallery was taking more submissions from people who maybe weren't specifically people who were upper class. And it was due to the fact of, um, I think they were trying to recover from the great depression at that time. Hmm. Uh, and like, he was essentially doing a critique on like the ridiculousness of the fine arts at the time and the kind of money put into it. And I don't know if he got money for that piece. I do know that the urinal went missing at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was just like, the only difference with that is that it was a, it was a urinal that was like, it was manufactured by some plumbing company. And then he like signed um, some like generic name on it. And that, that was the piece. And it was him literally taking the piss out of the fine arts. Um, which is why when I see things like presently, like the banana on the wall, knowing that the dude's an a-hole and like taking millions of dollars for this and taking the piss out of everyone else instead of taking the piss out of the fine arts. Yeah. Like, you look dumb. (laughs) (laughs) You look dumb and I'm mad. Yeah. I'm personally angry about it and that's fine. Everyone's allowed to have opinions. It it just, uh, it was a, a big moment in recent history for people who are like, ha, dumb fine art. Like, what it was. And that's the thing with the fine arts, too, is that some of it does get to the point of ridiculousness, or a lot of times, it a lot of it will be, oh, yes, this rich person knows these other rich people. Like, that is actually a big chunk of it, and that's a chunk of it that I don't really care about because it's like, hmm, you guys are no fun. <laughs> uh, because I'm someone who's rooted in ideology of that anyone can create art. You don't even have to be formally trained. Like, you can do whatever the hell you want. If you if you doodle something on a paper, you make, like, a blob of clay. That's art, baby! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, interesting I want to bring up, uh, personally. There's a chance you, you might know about it or not. So, UCSD has an art, uh, has this whole arts thing thing going on mm-hmm. and uh like you could like after like later on you could look it up uh like ucsd like art it's there's like 20 or 30 things and i'm going to describe some and just see what you think of them so there's just art pieces all over the campus it's a huge campus it's like mm-hmm. its own little town uh well one thing real quick is i went to six college which uh, had a thing called the cat program which was all about culture art and technology I had to spend a whole year arguing, like, an entire year-long class of just arguing, what is art? Which was so fun. But, um, they have all these art pieces there. And there's one, there's art pieces like, there's just a giant chair, and that's the art piece. Or, uh, another one is, there's three trees. They're called the singing tree, the talking tree, and the silent tree. There are these metal trees. Two of them are in the forest in the campus, and then one is in front of a library. And the silent tree is in front of the library. There's a tree that just does singing. Just plays singing. And another one that just talks. And it'll just be like random poems or speeches or whatever. Or just someone just going at it. Mm-hmm. Like, those are art pieces. Uh, there's like a mini... A mini Stonehenge in another place is an art piece. Like, this is across the campus. Just random art pieces. And uh, there's one where there's, like, a house. A straight-up house is built on top of, like, an engineering building, and it's half off the off the building. So it's just a funny thing you can see. Mm-hmm. Another one is... 
Uh, let's see, what is it? There's a giant stone uh, table. Like, it's really long. And it's just got uh, quotes written into it. It's like, it's a big, I forget what kind of, it's like a green stone. It looks really cool. That's another one. What was, there's so many. There's one that's Seven Deadly Sins, Seven uh, Virtues, where it's neon signs. It's like it's, uh, a square building, and there's neon signs at the top of it. And this is actually where they do, like, seismic tests. Uh, for one of the classes. And so it'll say like. Uh, like pride. Will flash. And then it'll turn off. And then it will flash. Like some, some virtue on top of that. And it's just seven of them. So on different sides. It, it shows these different ones. Mm-hmm. And. Oh there's so many more. I can't think about the time. For the time. Oh there's the giraffe catchers. There's literally these. Just. There's just metal poles in the ground, and then they just, they jut up, and then they just put nets across them uh, from one from one pole to the next, and we just call them the giraffe catchers, and like, I don't know what the art is for that one. There's uh, a giant library, which is ba- very much in Brutalist style, where it's, it kind of forms like a giant pearl. But from that thing is what we call the snake way, which is just a snaking path that leads leads from it to just one of the directions. And in it, they have like Alice in Wonderland, a giant Alice in Wonderland book. And it is the randomest thing. It's just a bunch of random art pieces across the place. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm just asking, what do you think of all that? I guess. I mean, personally, that sounds cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. I, oh, sorry. Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> you are, you are now. <laughs> <laughs> unbanned Look, for my crimes pg-13 movies are allowed one f word so okay so i can say i can say one one f word <laughs> okay um that sounds cool as hell <laughs> okay okay um so in terms of are, are you asking me like what i consider to be art um, um more just like what do you think of a campus that just has random art all over the place i guess I mean, honestly, I think that's fun. Even my campus has things like that. Um, I know my community college, actually, the sculpture class that is hosted every spring does this thing where across campus, uh, groups of students make huge sculptures um, and place them about the campus. And it can be whatever they want, uh, just as long as they have the skills to be able to do it. Like, if you wanted to weld a giant metal man, like, hell yeah, you can do that. Just make sure you take... The, the welding workshop so you know how to use the tools without burning your hands off. Oh, yeah, that'd be important. Um, but, like, honestly, having art around publicly, I think, is really good. Like, even if it is, like, random stuff, it's something that's interesting to look at and start a conversation about. And especially in terms of, like, larger sculptures, large sculptures take a lot of work. <laughs> they, um... They take a lot of work. They take a lot of money. And I think it's great when people are able to do public installations because uh, then lots of people get to look at it and maybe they like it and maybe they hate it. But at the end of the day, like, it's neat. I like looking <laughs> at those things, personally speaking. And I'm happy that the person who made it got paid for their work to get it installed in such like a, a visible area, basically, where you know that people are going to see it. Uh, 
Because I feel like at the end of the day, a lot of art is created to be seen by other people. Uh, not all of it is, of course. Like I said, I've made pieces that won't say see the light of day uh, <laughs> just because I don't care for them. <laughs> um, but like ultimately, a lot of art is meant to be seen or maybe unseen if like that's something that you are uh. going for with your piece. But that's like a whole nother topic of abstract. <laughs> I just remember there was a cool one called the the haunted staircase. It was like seven Ooh. floors staircase. They painted it over eventually, which is unfortunate, uh, because they eventually had to remake the building. Uh, but it was mm-hmm. seven floors in the staircase where people just drew what they wanted to draw. Oh, fun! So there was a lot of it was. It, it feels very abstract in a way, but it was just people doing just drawings or whatever they wanted. It was a lot of. Uh, very like more i guess rebellious art i would say like mm-hmm. like something like kind of like a che kind of thing and like inspirational yeah. quotes things like that it was really cool it's called the haunted staircase because it's really eerie in there but it was really cool having all that art a different random fact about ucsd just talking about my college all of a sudden uh got the big pearl library it's like it's very brutalist uh it's huge but it it houses a lot of the original work of Dr. Seuss, or his real name was Geisel. Mm-hmm. So you can see just all of his original stuff, which is really cool. Just it's just preserved there. It's just it's just nice to see. Oh, that's really cool. Wanna... I'm just like, man, I want to see more art things, but like. <laughs> We're not allowed to go places right now. Yeah. We're all in gay baby jail. <laughs> the government's over there like, no, come out. No. No. <laughs> don't want to no. get sick. No. No. Uh, <laughs> I will stay, stay in gay baby jail. <laughs> just random thing to say, just as a statement. I'm really impressed with sculptures, like, when you, you get a slab of stone and then you turn it into a statue. Mm-hmm. That, like, just, like, go with the classic example, David. Oh, yes, David. That's, that is, that, honestly, Michelangelo's work generally, as I'm over here, like, the man <laughs> was full of spite and I could see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like, about, uh, like, David's, like, real, like, the most famous sculptures, I think, are David and then the Venus de Milo. Mm-hmm. And then I think I don't think it was Raphael. Maybe it was uh, the lady with the weird boobs because he never knew what boobs looked like. You could tell. Oh, that was um, that was a part of a chapel. I can't. I think it was like the the Medici ca- chapel. Okay. Um. So, like that one. Yeah. He. Um. Yeah. He didn't know. <laughs> I'll be honest, looking, okay, given that I I had to take a whole class on Michelangelo, it was called the two Michelangelos, Um, so it was Michelangelo and then Caravaggio, and Caravaggio's actual name was Michelangelo, but people called him Caravaggio because that was the town that he was from. Um, People are fairly sure that Michelangelo was gay, just, just looking at his letters and stuff, like, there's evidence of him, like... He he sent like he sent sketches to like to young men and like wrote them poems and stuff. Okay, like, I don't know. 
Um, so if you need a reason as to why, like, he didn't really know how to sculpt, uh, sculpt boobies, that's a part of it, but also <laughs> because of, um, like, I think, uh, a lot of times, like, having female nude models was actually considered, like, very bad, like, it was considered mm. not okay to have female nude models, and if you did, oftentimes, uh, those were, I believe they were prostitutes most of the time. Okay. Um, just given, like, those, uh, the social norms at the time. Okay, I can't remember if it's just him, but, like, there's also paintings where it's just, they're definitely the paintings of dudes, and they tried to make them girls because they didn't know how to draw women. I don't know if it was still Michelangelo or just other artists from those times. It, it might have been other artists from those times. I know Michelangelo also was very much so focused on like essentially that the masculine body was uh like the most beautiful body okay. as well as the most godly just because he was pretty intertwined uh with the i think it was like the roman catholic church um so that was like his big thing is like he was obsessed with the beauty of the uh human male form okay. uh because he considered it to be the most godly form wow um yeah, that that was like his whole thing. So that's why a lot of times with work that you see of his, like you see that he's like I know that he did like the the Sistine, like the Sistine Chapel mm -hmm. stuff. He did the ceiling and then he did the wall. I can't remember the exact terms right now because my brain is soup, but it's fine. Uh but like a lot of times if you see like where he paints clothed women, like those look good. So I'm like, hmm, like a lot of times they just look muscular, which is, it's beautiful. Um, okay. I will say though, with the, uh, with the wall, which is one of the last pieces he did before he died, uh, a lot of things in that one was actually changed. One of the big things that was changed is that there was actually like a male couple who was kissing and then it got censored. Oh. <laughs> like it just got taken out. Wow. And I'm over here like, hmm, fascinating. And <laughs> We all know that Michelangelo was a very spiteful man. He was <laughs> he was full of spite. He lived he lived quite long for the time, and he was just full of spite the entire time. And I can't really blame him. I would be angry as hell too. Yeah. Uh, just random dumb thumb. Like, wonder how much of a pain in the ass it was to draw on a ceiling. Oh, it was. He he wrote about it like in his journals. Okay. He, he hated every second of it. <laughs> wow. I feel like he absolutely hated it. Because I feel like now you would, I don't know, you would draw it regular and then you would make it the ceiling. Like you would just crane it over as the ceiling. Yeah. Um But yeah, those pieces honestly are like they're amazing. Um and like uh but again, like I was talking about how like money being tied to the fine arts. In this case, it was like, you know, the church was for the most part running the government. Okay. Uh, and like they were uh, taking money from the citizens in order to fund projects like this or fund uh, the wealth of their priests and such. Really? So it's like another big thing that you have to think about in terms of the fine arts is that the fine arts were originally rooted within churches a lot of times, the churches or the wealthy. Um, so that's something that's like a fun little history tidbit. Yeah, because that's the thing where, uh, like, I feel like younger or just people who don't know, they were like, why would you pay someone to draw things? And it's like, commissions have been a thing forever, because, like, the Medici's paid for a lot of art, didn't they? Like, Yes, yes. Like, commissions um, have been a thing. 
Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Art history is just Bible fan art half the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like, I've heard that joke before. It's like, you don't you don't want me to put my anime fan art in here, but all you want is, is uh, all you teach me is, is Bible fan art. So what the hell? Yeah, actually, the, the fan art thing in terms of, like, colleges. So a lot of colleges will be like, no, you can't put, like, anime fan art in here. Uh, partially because a lot of teachers don't like cartoony styles, which, honestly, mm. they need to, like, remove the stick from up their butt. Because, <laughs> like, it's still an art form. I'm still going to draw anime. You guys can't stop me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, fan art, legally speaking, so a lot of... So this is a big thing in terms of, like, looking at art colleges and such right mm, okay. if you're going to be formally training you have to understand that the reason why they don't let you put in things like fan art like in terms of your professional portfolio for the school is because legally due to copyright mm. they cannot use those pieces to promote the school right and a lot of times they will make you sign a disclaimer that essentially says that you give permission for your work to be used as promotion for the school okay. which that doesn't really sit well with me a lot of times just because I'm over here like, wait, I'm paying you to be here. So why aren't you paying me for this advertisement? And they're like, well, we're teaching you. And it's like, uh. <laughs> so that that's a big thing also is if anyone is considering going to an art school, be very aware that like, that essentially uh, that the school is allowed to do with your work, what they will, like they can't claim that it's theirs. However, they can use you for promotion yeah. a lot of times. Like some schools are better where you can actually deny that. My community college was like that. Oh. So if you wanted to say, no, I don't want my work to be used for promotional reasons or to be shared like publicly outside of this class, you're allowed to not sign the form and it won't get shared, which oh. is honestly, I think that's something that more schools should do. But most art schools, especially larger schools, essentially make you do the automatic agreement um so that's something to be very aware of of in terms of like your own essentially like your own rights when it comes to your art because copyright is definitely something that's tricky um but i will say like if you want to put fan art in like your regular portfolio that like you would give to a possible studio or whatever then go ahead like mm -hmm. you're not trying to promote your school it's just that's the reason why the schools don't want it, which sucks. But, you know, I just draw my OCs all day anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> huh, interesting to learn that, though. Huh. Um, okay, okay. I don't know if this is a controversial topic or not. When someone commissions art, who owns the art after that? Okay. So that actually depends. So that depends on the contract terms of the artist. All right, so someone commissions art, right? It does depend on are they commissioning, um, are they commissioning like an OC that they own, or are they commissioning fan art? Like that's something that's like in terms of that's a differentiation that would be important. But because I go with the assumption of like an OC, because like I feel like uh, no one really talks about ownership, like or they don't really understand talking about it. Because mm -hmm. just like on Twitter, someone just sees someone on Twitter, they like they like how they draw, so they ask them to just do fan art of maybe something that, like, maybe like Sailor Moon or something. They ask them to do fan art of it. And then they're like, okay, the fan art gets drawn. And then the person who did the commissioning 
might post it up in the future, like, hey, check out this awesome art that I commissioned. And the artist can get like really mad, but like, what are you doing reposting my art? And so it becomes mm-hmm. a question like, who owns the art then? So I would have to say at the end of the day, it's the artist that owns the art. And the reason why is because they are the creation source of it. Hmm. Um, the commissioner is only giving money. Uh, they're paying for a service. Um, so like, let's see. Uh, so then I'm uh, trying to think of like a good example of like something outside of art to yeah. kind of compare this to. Um, but like, um, okay, so uh, just real quick. Uh, so say, so just as a base um, given, then the artist is the artist. So then it's only, it's only the commissioners. If the commissioner specifically asks like, well, I'm paying you for this, that then it becomes mine. I would say um, like it does. So a lot of times I would say this is an issue of like joint copyright as well as the copyright terms that the artist specifically gives. So let's just say if someone commissions you, right, and they want to use it for like merchandising, yeah, you need to draw up a contract for that and essentially like be like, okay, are you going to give me a stipend for this? Or am I going to be getting a percentage of like the proceeds that you get from selling this merch? Um, so in that case, it technically belongs to both people okay. um, because someone else is selling it to make money, uh, but they did have to pay an artist first. And at the end of the day, that artist created it um, and do deserve the proceeds from, from it. And I would have to say, even with commissions, like it technically belongs to both parties. Hmm. However, the ultimate ownership lays with the artist because they're the one who created it. And maybe I'm biased because I am specifically an artist and I actively practice art. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would have to say like, Let's just say if somebody commissioned me and like they um they like uh it was like fan art, right? And then they reposted it and they didn't give me credit for it, even though that this fan art could get me more exposure and more clients, basically, I would be upset because I'm like, hey, why are you sharing this work that I made for you without giving me essentially some of the quote unquote revenue? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's rather like a common courtesy thing. Now, when it comes to something like an OC, that's a little different because a lot of OCs are usually designed by the person like who commissioned you, or it's like an adopted that they bought from somebody else. So like they bought a design specifically from someone and there are copyright terms within them buying that design, that now that design is theirs, right? Mm-hmm. The adoptables, um, right? Yeah, yeah, adoptables. So then at that point, it's like, that's a little different because that is something that is already owned by that person. Um, but the art, like, let's just say if they po- they commissioned you, you gave them art, and then they claimed that was their art, then that's not okay, because they didn't make that. Maybe they made the OC, but they didn't make the art. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, copyright is definitely one of those things that are, that's pretty tricky, and I personally need to read up on it more. But in terms of, like, what I know of it, like, now like of my very base understanding of it as well as my own personal experiences is at the end of the day the artist is the one who has the most power in that situation because they were the ones who created it they're the ones who like put it out basically okay but there are like contracts where it's just the commissioner wholesale owns it like say uh Mm -hmm. a book writer right like they they commission a a cover 
and then it's like, all right, this is this is all mine. They they of course had to pay the artist a a good amount for that. Yeah, and even so, there might be well, I guess a credit in the book saying he's the one who drew it, right? Like, mm-hmm. which in that case, that is definitely that falls under the copyright of like the the commissioner completely or mostly bought the rights to that piece and they are allowed to use it in that way. Yeah. Cause I'm remembering, uh, talking to like web comic people where they, the one guy was like a writer, like he could not draw, but he he's a good writer. He's like, uh, find an artist that you know can be consistent and you make a contract together and all this stuff and make sure you concretely hammer out what they own and what you own and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, because that's like a big thing when it comes to, uh, to, to contracts and working, especially in like a freelance nature of knowing exactly what your rights are in terms, in terms of copyright and as a commissioner, understanding what those terms are and respecting those terms, because you don't have to commission someone if you don't agree, agree to their terms. Like nobody's forcing you to commission this person. Um, which is why, like, I would say maybe if you don't like somebody's terms, then don't commission them. Like some, some artists maybe don't care if like you reposted their art without credit. Like, I don't know a lot of artists who are like that, but some (laughs) artists are like that. They don't really care. They're just like, I made it. It's like, it's yours, whatever. Um, whereas other artists have specific terms of like, I want credit for the work that I've done. Um, and that's usually because they want to be able to get more of an audience or more revenue or more clients. Going on so, to another okay. controversial topic. Um, I don't want to word this. Like, I don't, not about tracing, because I feel like, okay, opinion on tracing is, tracing is good for learning, it's not good for selling, because, well, you're tracing someone else's work. Like, I feel like that should be obvious. But I don't think everyone, yeah. it's obvious to everyone. Mm-hmm. The one that's where it's weird is referencing. That's where it gets weird for some people, I mm-hmm. feel. Um, I feel like reference, like, there's also, okay, there's also the layman who does not understand how art freaking works. Where they yeah. think everything comes just from your, from your hand, you don't look at anything while you're drawing. It's like, what, what, no. <laughs> where they think referencing is cheating. Art. Yeah, where they think referencing is cheating, like, what are you talking about? At some point, my brain realized I can take pictures of myself as my references. Which yes, is absolutely. so useful. Um, um, so in my opinions of referencing, yeah. referencing is good. And if you're going to do any sort of formal training too, you are referencing things. There are times where I, in order to reference something, I was told to specifically trace something. Now, of course, I'm not selling this thing. It's for learning process mm-hmm. uh, purposes, right? Yeah. Which tracing for learning pr- purposes is perfectly fine. Like people are like, oh, don't trace ever. Like, no, if you want to, if you want to get a, like a good understanding of like basic shapes and stuff and maybe eyeballing it, is it doing it for you? Just, just trace the thing. You're <laughs> fine. No, but the art, the, the, the art people aren't going to knock down your door and be like, oh, you, you tracing a cat. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I think it's not artists themselves. It's, it's the layman's who don't understand art. Who are the ones who go after you for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at that point, it's just like, I'm just over here like, do you, do you make art? No? Okay, then, then stay in your lane. <laughs> stay in your lane. Like stay a, in your lane. Mind your business. <laughs> stay on your lair. Stay on your lair. 
Yeah. Um, so I would have to say references are very good. I have frequently used references in order to make my art better. I've referenced myself. I've referenced other people. I've referenced like photos and stuff. There is, there is no shame in referencing. It is perfectly fine to reference things. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my opinion on referencing. So there's a question of this thing called heavy referencing, which is weird. Uh, like, this is more of a con thing where mm-hmm. it's due to a con selling art and it's, he's just basically redrawing some famous uh, comic book artist's work mm. where it's just, it's the same thing. He didn't, he didn't trace it. He just basically drew the exact same thing though. I would have to say, I think I have seen people like that before. And I'm like, I mean, by all technicalities, it is art, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I'd have to say I I don't personally respect that just because they're not putting forth their own creativity and their own voice in what they're making. Yeah. And honestly, it just rings kind of hollow. It's very much so something that sounds like somebody would do specifically for money, um, which is like, I understand you need money to be able to live, but copying things, like especially heavily copying things, in order to make money or get attention is something that I'm kind of like, uh, you know, you could have tried a little harder with that. Like mm. you could have at least changed it up a little bit. Um, Cause that's the thing is like in heavy referencing, it's like, you're not putting yourself forth. Uh, you're putting somebody else's creative voice at forth, which is, it's like, well, isn't the point of art to be able to like, put yourself out there to be able to express yourself unless expressing yourself is copying somebody that's kind of and like there's no original ideas either because every idea has been thought of at some point um (laughs) but i'd have to say like if you look at something and they're very clearly copying something that's very very famous it's one of those things of like you know you do draw influences from somewhere but at some point you have to branch off and be able to be your own person so it's just one of those things that like that i I don't really care for that (laughs) yeah uh um this might be nebulous but i feel like with that quote of there's no original ideas i feel like there are it's just it's original to you because you've just never experienced it till you have Mm-hmm. Or you've never considered till you have, or you didn't you subconscious or you subconsciously have seen, but you just haven't really had that moment with yourself, I guess. Or like, oh hey, mm-hmm. this is this thing. Because I feel like, yeah, uh, with anything, we've seen the same story over and over again, but it's just the way it's told, or it's told differently, or which yeah. can make it the bent can make it original. Like one example mm-hmm. is you have all the typical stories we've all heard many times over, and then you make it furry, and then it's new again. Yeah, and that's the thing is like there's um there's definitely things that have been like reimagined, retold in different ways. And like that's like that's perfectly fine. I think where I draw the line is like uh where there's like a lack of creativity or if something is stemmed specifically um specifically in the notion of like I guess like oh this is gonna make me a lot of money and it's like okay well make you a lot of money but does it like i mean i guess money makes you happy (laughs) but at the end of the day like are you feeling fulfilled by what you're creating other than the money um 
because I've had like in terms of me working on my art, I've had to step away from like money making aspects of it a lot of times because like like thinking about the numbers or thinking about making money off of it and not getting money from it or not having numbers from it has like hurt me emotionally, <laughs> mentally. So I've had to step back and just be like, I mean, if someone commissions me, they do. If not, I'm just going to keep vibing. Like this yeah. is why usually I pick up part-time jobs or I'm like going to school. So I'm like being trained formally or I'm focusing on other classes. Uh, so I don't always like, I, I'm not always thinking about that realm and not everyone can say that like, they don't have to think about those things because there's a lot of people where like they do need that revenue, like in order to live, they need to make that money. And so being able to say like, well, I can step away from it is because I'm someone who has different things that I can go to other than art to make money. Yeah. Cause she was like, people got to eat like, um, there's weird. I, I don't, I think it's more people romanticizing art than people who actually do art of when they feel when they get mad when you sell out if you make a bunch mm-hmm. of money while doing art. It's like, you want me to eat or not? Yeah. Like, people gotta eat. And, like, honestly, people who, like, of course, I don't always like super popular artists. Um, and a lot of times I don't really care for their styles because I find that their styles aren't very interesting to me. Like, they're still skilled at the end of the day. Like these people do have skill. They have a market to be marketable too. Um, I just personally don't care for (laughs) (laughs) it. I love how you quietly mumbled that. And I'm like, that's a whole other realm of problematic. (laughs) Yes, it is. I don't want, I don't want to go all the way into it, but we're we're not, we're not going off on that. But if we're talking about like popular artists in general, there's a reason why that they have the market that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether or not you agree that that's like a, like that's a good market or not, or you really care for their art style or not is like, well, you're not the market and like people are paying this person for it. They have bills to pay at the end of the day. Um, I will say though, like in terms of like, if you do get to a point of like being able to make lots of money off of your art is like, honestly, I just have to ask like, you know, make sure that you're doing good things with that money. Um, because there are a lot of artists that don't make a lot of money and like, there are a lot of people who need help. So if you have that extra money, I would say like, you know, redistribute it or donate it. I mean, that's just how I see things though. Mm. And I'm someone who doesn't really make a lot of money and I still do things like that. Like I actively buy merchandise from artists and I'm promoting their work and I'm promoting their commissions and occasionally I'll buy commissions if I have the money to do so, you know? Um, so it's like, it's one of those things of like, I'd have to say is if you do get to a point where you're in your career and you're making a lot of money off of it, uh, honestly, like do look into supporting the community that supports you. Um, because at the end of the day, that's all you have, you know, Yeah. everything could come crashing and burning the next day. And the only thing that you have is the people around you. So why, why not foster that? Why not help people? Um, because, you know, if you, I guess like in terms of like, if you're thinking about karma, right? Like good karma oftentimes is met with good karma, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
And that's not always the case because sometimes, you know, bad things happen to people and nothing really can be done about it. But I'd say like, definitely like just be a good person. Just like, you know, just be a good person. (laughs) Like Please. The, the way I've always put it personally is because I I don't think karma is because karma really doesn't feel like it is uh, I'll say perfect or any, yeah there's, definitely there's, not there's no perfect morality I think it's like there's plenty of really shit people who have a lot of money and have like a really great life and you just it's like ugh. so I feel like it's more what what karma more is is it's just putting up your odds of things being better not just for you but for being for others mm-hmm. it's more like an odds thing because yeah at any point something bad can just happen yeah like um but with yeah spreading the money around like for me when i do overtime i, I put like half of it into uh into anonymous commissions and stuff like that mm-hmm. now uh i want to end it with this to end this whole podcast with this unless there's anything you think you want to talk about um what is the best feeling for you or if you can remember i guess when it comes to art like just in in any relation to it just with that you've made um so if i'm honest the best feeling that i've ever had when it comes to art and i've had to learn the hard way of like you know that numbers aren't everything like huge amounts of attention isn't everything and being able to say that is something that is that comes from like a little bit of privilege um because like i mentioned before some people have to make art in order to pay their bills Mm. um but like the best feeling is like completing something right like i finally finish a project like it's done and i can share it and that doesn't even mean like always share it online for like people who follow me to see um but like being able to share it with people who are more close to you, like your group of friends or like even just acquaintances, um, sharing it and being like, hey, I made this thing. I really like it, right? Because you made it and it's done. And like a lot of times things take a lot of time. And, you know, you made something with your own hands and your own brain and probably some references on the side because you couldn't get the hands right. (laughs) Um, Always hands. Always hands. hands it's a lot of things um but but you put out that thing and people like it like even if it's not a lot of people like people like it and you like it and like you're happy with what you made and maybe tomorrow you'll hate it (laughs) because like we're all we're all our worst critic honestly yeah like it's horrible (laughs) um but when other people enjoy what you've made and you genuinely enjoy what you've made and you feel at least a little bit proud of like being able to make something and somebody liked it and they're super enthusiastic about it, especially. Um, I think that's like the best feeling because it, it shows that, you know, people care about you and People are paying attention to you. Like, it doesn't always have to be, like, all the time, 24-7, I need your attention. (laughs) Um, But rather that, like, you know, these people do care about you, and they care about the work that you're making, and they want to see more of it. And you want to see more of it because, you know, you you get that positive feedback, you get that serotonin. That's good for (laughs) you. It's good for your brain. (laughs) 
<laughs> so um, I'd have to say that's that's the best feeling I've gotten uh, as an artist. Hmm. Uh, you're familiar with Keke Flip? Mm, I don't think so. Uh, oh, oh, the person who makes like the the bounty like foxes and birds. Yeah, right? him, yeah. That's a French artist. The funny thing about him is all his art is drawn on the on a D, on a two DS. I love that. That's... Amazing. I was just thinking <laughs> that about is that because you mentioned like yeah, you notice your mistakes. I remember just the gif he made of that, where he's like, "Put this out, twenty thousand likes and retweets," and he's like, "There's a mistake. I want to I want to delete this and put a new one up." Yeah, and that's like, like a uh... big thing too. But like honestly, just I think like the satisfaction of finishing something and being satisfied is like it's a good feeling and then getting like that positive feedback hmm. i don't know if i want to ask what's the worst feeling in art i feel like that's not maybe <laughs> useful i mean there's a lot of bad feelings out in the world a lot of bad vibes yeah um i i'd have to say like if i had to put it bluntly the worst feeling is when you're trying to make something and it's just not coming out and yeah. like you get frustrated and you have to stop that is very universal feeling and I feel like is one of the worst feelings just because like it's not fun to deal with that. You're trying mm -hmm. to make a thing, but you can't make the thing. Your hand isn't working right. You you're sweaty, you're tired, you want to eat something. Like just yeah. ste just step away. Just step away. Go get a snack. Go get some <laughs> water. Go play a game. Go read a book. Read some fan fiction. I don't know what you do. <laughs> Return to it later. Yeah. I promise it'll be better later. <laughs> And if it isn't, try something else. Yeah, I know that feeling. I've I've had drawings I'm like I have this really cool drawing. Like, wait, I can't, I can't translate this idea whatsoever. I I'm trying. I can't. Uh, 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 well, there goes that. Yeah, there it goes. There it goes. And that's fine because at the end of the day, you just need to practice, and you can try again, or you can try something else. Like it, the thing is, when you're especially learning on your own, you can do whatever the hell you want. Nobody's yeah. telling you what to do. <laughs> and if they are, are are they your mom? Are they your dad? You know, even if they are your mom and dad, they're not making the art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like, watch somebody's gonna be like, wait, my mom and dad make art. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, for me, uh the best feeling was um uh, we had an intern and they just and when i'm at work there's downtime i just draw and they noticed and like oh yeah and i tried to hide it like not too late they wanted to see it and they're like oh this is good like i'm like really and then i just show them another piece and they like that one and they like the next one. I'm like oh i came to the realization i'm really starved for appreciation appreciation is good and honestly scarf i like your art i Thank think you. it's very cute and i appreciate the kirby's a lot <laughs> yay yeah uh what's before the virus hit, right before mm -hmm. it hit, someone's like, I want to commission your Kirby's. I'm like, oh, and then I just cried. I'm like, oh my God. And then the virus oh. hit and they're like, they can't afford. I'm like, that's fine. It's fine. I already, I already got the, uh, the high emotion of just someone wanting to in the first place. Oh yeah. There's, a, there's an emotional high when somebody tells me, tells you they want to commission you and you're yeah. like, oh no. And yeah, but like, I was fine because I have a job, so I'm good. Mm -hmm. Now, it, that's a fear I've had is just, uh, I, I got to end this already, but the uh, there's so much consumption of creative stuff right now, but it's also all those creative people can't work right now either. Mm -hmm. it's Or they can't get paid because it's either like maybe comedians or actors or 
there there's that where they can't go work but there's also for artists even digital artists where the people who would commission them they don't have a job right now either Mm -hmm. so there's just this huge trickle down i feel from the quarantine and everything that's just hurting a lot of people and i just it worries me about a lot of people's livelihoods that is a downer note to end on shoot (laughs) yeah well let me try and bring it back up like (laughs) My okay, so my own dad, he works within theaters, right? And he okay. cannot work. Um, he's like a theater manager. And oh. of course, in order to be a theater manager, you need to have plays and stuff going on. You need shows going on. Yeah. Um, which in this current time, like you mentioned, it's not possible. And there's a lot of people who have lost their jobs where regularly they were buying from creatives, but now they can't. Um, because finances have been clamped down. Or, like, they're barely surviving themselves. So, I guess, like, at the end of the day, I'd have to say, like, if you're able to, and if you're able to help other people, even if it's just a little bit, even, like, you can even do things for free. You can promote people. Um, You can, like, talk about their work and, like, share them, right? Um, Because then that means that there's more of an audience for them for when there maybe is some money available that that could come to them. Um, but honestly, I'd have to say during these times, especially like we only have each other. That's the thing. We only have each other. So we need to be able to help each other because I mean, let's be honest, especially like with the current situation in the U S it's very clear. The government isn't going to help us. Hmm. They have their own intentions in mind, their own quota to fill. So at the end of the day, like you need to take care of each other and you need to protect each other because that's all that we have left at this point. Um, we're losing a lot of things. We're losing a lot of people. So like, you know, just care for one another. If you can support a creative right now. And like I said, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's just like a little bit of money, maybe it's like a couple of dollars that's still help more helpful than nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean like just completely like, like straightforward, you're not paying attention to what's going on. You're not even sharing things um, of what these these creatives are making, um, because a lot of them do need that exposure. Um, they need that exposure, and they need the money, and other people need money. So you know, care for people, give when you can, and wear your heckin' mask for God's <laughs> sake. That's a, that's a good message. That's real good. So, yeah, I think it's a good message. <laughs> we'll end it here. Uh, so where can you be found? You can be found on Twitter at... Oh, dear God. Get it up. Get it up. Okay. At Sunny <laughs> underscore Straw BB. Like B, no A, B, Y. B, yeah. B, B. <laughs> like, it'll be... That sounds like an accent. Straw B, B. Um, <laughs> Uh, it'll be on the screen and I'll have links, okay. uh, I'll have in the description, I'll see you're at, uh, you found anywhere else? Like, I don't know. Like, Oh, you have a website. I do have a website. That's where I put most of my illustration work. Okay. Um, I'd have to say I'm most, I'm mostly active on Twitter. Um, you can just use that as a disclaimer is that's where I'm most active. Um, I do have an Instagram. I don't really use it. <laughs> Same. I keep forgetting to. Um, I also have, oh, I have a toy house house account because I have lots of characters that I make. So occasionally I update that, but I'm not really like active in terms of like talking to other people. I just kind of like 
use it for my own organizational purposes. Right, I'll, I'll I'll need uh you to just link me that one. Um, and then there's like uh there's that was uh it's coming up, and I'm curious if it's ever going to catch fire. Uh, Pillow Fort. I wonder if anyone's in that. Oh, I know. Um, I've seen a handful of artists in that. I haven't personally made an account. Um, because it's invite only. Heard... So. Yeah, I've heard some pretty decent things about it, but I haven't gotten around to making an account because mm -hmm. I think you do need a code for it. Yeah. So uh, I'm over here like, hmm. And you don't have like a DeviantArt, right? Like, I do, but I also don't really use that. And it's okay. also under my old handle because in order to change your username, you have to pay for it. Really? Um. Huh. So that one I would just leave out for now just because mm -hmm. I don't actively update it. And I feel like I'm more likely to update my Instagram than I am to update that. <laughs> mm, okay. Like if I'm if I'm honest, I mostly use DeviantArt to like buy adopts. Huh. <laughs> That's what I use DeviantArt for. <laughs> okay. Alright, so uh last thing is so that is it. That is uh basically a podcast, everyone, with uh Sonny. And uh, anything you want to shout out before we head out? Um like I said before, wear your mask. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks, everyone, for coming by, and uh, see you next time. You can say bye. Oh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you stopped recording or not. <laughs>